Listener Production. Well, and welcome to Ashes Talk. Adam Peacock and Brad Haddon here to sum up day four of the Oval Test. And Hads, we've got a game on our hands all of a sudden. How about that? Man, we've got a grandstand finish. Um, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to the morning to, to sum up today. I thought Australia were outstanding. I thought tactically England, um, under pressure yesterday, fell a little bit short. I was very surprised Mark Wood wasn't used um, early with that hard ball, knowing the impact he has had in the series since he's come in. But both Warner and Kawaja batted beautifully. They're, they're proactive. Uh, they looked to score and they looked in total control before. The weather's going to cost us. This time, England, so um, look out. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine that uh, every single person with an Australian passport will be uh, writing to the ICC to demand a, revert, a reserve day for this particular yeah. test match and the, the laws of cricket to be changed to suit us. Now, in all seriousness, the the um, scorecard reads that Australia, none for 135 uh, at stumps. Stumps called early because it just hose down for um, the majority of the day after we got ourselves in that position. So it's it's whittled down to 249 to win. And just before Hads, they went off, you could feel the momentum shift watching that last half an hour. I don't know if you uh, noticed it, but I just could hear some stomach-turning actions of some Englishmen around the place. Yeah, you're right. And the thing about you got Stuart Broad's last test, we'll talk about that later. He's been a great, great servant to the game and, and unbelievable in Ashes campaigns. But you, you've got to remember you've got Broad, who's at the obviously at the end. You've got um, Jimmy Anderson, who's celebrating his 41st birthday. You've got Wood, who's had injury history, and Wokes, who hasn't played for 12 months. So these guys also will start to get tired. So if you can keep them out there um, to bowl their fourth and fifth spell, you can get momentum back, so and that's exactly what the Australians did. I, I thought their their blueprint for their batting was absolutely outstanding. That they, they were proactive, they they looked to score, they they dropped at their feet, they ran well, and put the pressure back on the England bowlers to to do something different. Yeah, did you notice it from the get go that um, the two of them were they just had a different mindset? And where's it been? Yeah, their, their for, first thought was boundary. Their, their first thought to score, and if they got a good ball, that, that was either three, two, or one. That um, their, their mindset for the next delivery. So it, it was a, it was a really proactive innings. Uh, I thought Warner. There's a lot of talk about will he play in the Australian summer, but he 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 didn't look like he was enjoying his last innings in the UK. It, it's looked like hard work for him to to get to those twenty runs. Um, he's past twenty. A majority of the time this this series, but this innings he looked different. He looked a lot more freer. He didn't look like he he was second guessing. He just looked like he went out there and played the game, played what was in front of him, um, let his attacking mindset take over, and he was complimented great by Osman Kawaja, who in the first innings probably just occupied the crease and got into a defensive mindset. But the way he played yesterday was Usman at his best, looking to score, um, rotating the striker, and it was a great partnership from the Australian openers. When they went off, did you get the feeling that, that Australia didn't want to go off? Like yep. it, it would have, it, it was perfect conditions for them because the ball was getting wet? Yep, and that's why the English didn't winch. Let, let's be honest with that. They, they, there was a song and dance about how the rain cost them last test match, but they looked like they were happy to go off. Um, Australia in control, they were out of answers. I, I thought... Even Stokes' field settings, um, he, he wasn't quite sure how he was trying to 
to get the Australian batsmen out. They changed, tried to change the ball a couple of times, but yeah, the Australians would, would be disappointed that went off when they did because they, they did have the game where they wanted it. And, and England then it was up to them to message um, momentum back. And you had Mo and Ali, who, who was just barely getting through the crease with his um, bad groin. So yeah, it was a, a disappointing time for the weather to come for the Aussies this time. Talk us through the lack of use of Mark Wood up until, what was it? What were Australia? No, 33rd over. 33rd over. Um, take yeah. us through that. I, I can't. I actually, I, I was trying to think about it before we came on. So we, we've seen how oh, how impressive Mark Wood's been since he's come into this series. The, he's intimidated the Australian batsmen. And it's not just about Wood getting wickets. It, it's about what how you play at the other end. Um, it makes Anderson a better bowler, makes Wokes a better bowler. When you got that genuine pace coming from one end, all, all of a sudden the energy, the game change, and, and that that's what I think England missed it a bit. I understand what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to get the ball to reverse to give Wood a really good crack at the Aussies, but you need to see him with the, the harder ball. As soon as he came on, Kawaja Nick won through slips a couple of an over later. He hit him in the helmet, so things in the game started to happen and. And that's been the big difference in the test matches England have won. They're, they've been able to intimidate Australia with their fast bowling. And, but what it does, and the big thing that I think they got wrong, you get wickets at the other end when you got someone bowling at that pace. You, you game change. So oh, I think tactically they got it um, wrong there, England. They've still got runs in the bank or, or, or enough yeah. buffer at the moment to, to adjust that overnight, don't they, and, and, and get it right, assuming that we're going to get a full day's play. Um, on day five, but it, yeah, it was just flat out weird. And they got a bit of luck even when um, Kawaja got hit in the head. They changed the ball, and the ball dead set. It looked like they went from a near forty over ball to a ten over ball. And I don't know how they chose that one. And Ricky Ponting pointed out straight away, saying, "Look at the writing still on that ball. That's that's not the same ball." But it it, it seemed harder. But then that accelerated Kawaja and Warner's scoring, so it worked in Australia's favour, oddly enough. Yeah, it's interesting um, watching England throughout the series, and and they're the best at um, games and shit with this broad nearness, and they've been around a long time. It, it, the ball's not swinging. You, you watch Anderson throw the ball to the umpire, it goes through the little gauge, and consistently this has happened throughout the series. This time, um, it's worked in Australia's favour, actually. Um, the ball got harder, allowed more scoring opportunities, and and got Australia right, their, their momentum going in their, in their innings. But it, it's not a, a tactic that's... Um, you, it's it, it's happened consistently through through the whole Test series. Uh, England trying to change the ball if it's if it's not suiting the the conditions for their bowlers. Does this deck surprise you? Um, what it's become? On okay, we're we're going into day five, and she looks pretty flat. Doesn't look much. There's 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 no gremlins in it apart from the odd one that stays really low. Yeah, I, I think. It's been the trend in cricket for some time now. I, I know this total's a, a big total of cho- chase in the last innings, but you, you really got to throw history away a bit, I, I think, um, because we're seeing a, a lot more teams chasing down the 350 scores um, in, in the fourth innings. The, the game's changed a, a lot in, in that respect. There's there's not a lot of footmarks that you'd normally see on a on a day four or five wicket. So, yeah, the... The wicket's still in good condition. Um, it started with a little bit more grass on it, slowly, slowly got a lot flat, flatter. And if you look at um, Surrey, the way they play their four-day cricket, 
what they like to do is send opposition in and back themselves to score runs in the fourth innings because the wicket does get better. Mm. Well, the 100 partnership is well and truly up. It's Australia's first Ashes 100 opening partnership in the UK since Warner and Rogers back in 2015 and higher since Hayden and Langer at the Oval in 2005. Davey Warner nearly got wiped out full stop. James Anderson, Beamer. What did you make of that one? What a mate of it. What about Davey smiling? That's all the water I know. He, uh, he'd normally up there pointing his bat starting World War III. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good one. Um, it was right on the money. little apology there from Jimmy Anderson turned around, but uh, David handled it well. I thought he might have started World War III and just got himself right in the <laughs> innings. <laughs> oh, he's already in it, so he didn't want to maybe upset his equilibrium at that stage. But uh, have you ever copped a, a beamer and, and or, conversely, have you ever seen someone cop one from the worst possible uh, person you want delivering a beamer? I'll tell you who did, went through a stage was Brett Lee. Yeah. And I, and I reckon the one who was at the other end about three times was Brendan McCullum. Being away, he's bowling, had that period where he, he was bowling the speed of light, but like a, he was consistently bowling over 150, 155, and occasionally hitting 160. And when he went for his Yorker sometimes, he, he, he got it wrong. But I, I remember there was a period we were playing New Zealand, and I reckon Brendan McCullum um, wore the brunt of three Brett Lee Beamers. Maybe that's why. We're seeing Brendan McCullum reluctant to give Australia too much credit in this series, very much saying that even when they lose, they win type thing. Maybe he's got that in the back of his head, which is fair enough if you're copying 160 pound hour beamer. Well, yeah, I remember getting one by um, New South Wales teammate, Scott Thompson, but it's interesting. I picked it that was coming. I hit him for a couple of boundaries, I remember, and I said to Dom McDonnell in a grade game, I said, I I think he's going to beam me. And he goes, (laughs) he's not. And because he was known for uh, bowling one for for hand to head, and I got down low on my stance, and he didn't, and I hit it over um, slips and hit the fence on the full for six. <laughs> but I don't remember um, the ball hitting the fence. I, I remember being hazy and, and going down the wicket and trying to hit him with my cricket bat. <laughs> <laughs> and did you? No, Don Thornley got in the middle of us, but I, I, I would have done it. I think I, I got <laughs> just got one of those moments where you go a bit hazy. <laughs> Gold. Hey, what about the uh, the scene at the start of the day's play? Actually, when Anderson and Broad came out to to bat, they didn't last long. Um, Stewie Broad swung his bat at one and and um, did well with that. But the the guard of honour, fair enough. Did, yeah, were you like surprised it. by it? No, no, I like it. He, he's been a great servant for the game. He's played over 160 Test matches. He's been great in Ashes cricket. He's a, he's a leading wicket taker, and, and I think it was a great gesture. What what I did notice. Did, did you notice Steve Smith and um, Mitch Marsh? No. When Broad walked through, the, they both stopped and waited for Jimmy Anderson to walk through and said, it's your turn now. And and, and the commentators sort of said, oh, no, Jimmy said, no, it's not quite my time yet, but uh, <laughs> Mitchell Marsh and Steve Smith were having a bit of fun with the, the birthday boy there, Jimmy Anderson, saying, mate, do you want to do it this as well? This is a great <laughs> opportunity for us to send you off as well. So, uh, yeah, that's just... Uh, Mitch Maas just enjoying his own, own humour, but I, I thought that was quite funny. Mate, Jimmy Anderson is going to play till he's 55. He's going to collect his super before he freaking retires. He's, he's incredible. Um, with Broad announcing mid, mid-game, though, that he's going to retire, what do you make of that tactic? I, I just think he, he had one of those moments. And, and it's funny, Adam, I remember talking to Matthew Hayden when he retired um, the last test in Sydney. He said, oh, 
when, when you're young, you never think this moment's going to come, but there, there comes a time where it, there's just a brick wall in front of you and you go, oh, I've had enough. I, I've just out and out had enough and I'm done. And, and Stuart Broad has obviously had that moment. I've, I've had that moment where it gets to that point where I, I don't want to do this anymore. And it, and it happens instantly. Yeah, so he had the opportunity to get his family there. Um, he sent his wife and his kid up in the grandstand. His, his dad was um, there, obviously, with a tear in his eye, but very proud of his son. So I, I don't mind that, that that he's done. He's obviously just got to the point where he's, he, he goes, oh, I've just had enough and, and announced it. And going back to what the Australians did, I, I like that. I, I like that part of the game when, when you respect a champion of the game and, and his stats um, definitely stand up with some of the greats. It's a shame that he is going because he is the ultimate modern day yeah. Ashes Miller from our point of yeah. view, and we love it. Like that's what makes the Ashes. Like you, you, you got your guys that you really support, and you got your guys that uh, you hope fail, basically, with all due respect. And, and Stuart, Stuart Broad has not done that, especially on English soil. He's only won one Test match in Australia out of sixteen, but on English soil, he has tormented us. Yeah, the thing about it, he got Ashes cricket. Um, he, he got a bit. Um, about that Ashes cricket's about winning big moments. And, and, and on many occasions, um, we've all heard about the Stuart Broad when he gets in the spell. And, and I've had spells. I remember one at Durham. I, I think he got five wickets and turned the test match um, England's favour. So he, he was a real competitor. Um, he, he loved the the theatre around an Ashes campaign. And and you just see him now. He, he just gets a crowd into the game. He's, he's one of those guys that Australians – Love to hate they. He, he loves to be the the villain. He plays up to the crowd. But I, I tell you what, they do do that. They do respect him when when he does do well. He, he he'll get the applause from from the crowd. And and as an Aussie, he he gets under your skin. That that he gets under your skin. But I, I tell you what, he, he gets under his your skin because he wants to win. He's got the same fight deep down in his stomach that you do. And and at the end of the series, he he'll be um, the first to come in with a, a carton of beer, sit down, and um, yeah, start reminiscing on some stories. So yeah, he, he's he, he's one of those characters that uh, he's hard not to like off the field. Righto, and up broad love that'll do. Um, oh, no, yeah. but we'll we'll have some Stuart Broad stories in our full Ashes review through the week on Willow Talk. Uh, I think there's there's a few good ones to dig out of your mind there, Had. So we'll we'll delve into that. But after the break, we'll uh, wrap up this edition of Ashes Talk. Look ahead and a couple of stats as well. So the forecast on day five has mostly cloudy, breezy, and 22 degrees. Does wind make the ball hoop around? Wind can be a nightmare, actually, for the bowlers. Um, I think that much rather a still day, get the get that ball reversing from, from both ends. So, yeah, if it's too big a breeze, it can, it can take the um, swing out of the game. It's It can be hard for one bowl at one end, so... Bit of luck, it's in Australia's favour. The, the the best thing about this, we, we've got three results on the table. We've got a draw, a win to England, which we, will be hard to take, or the Aussies winning. Or what about a tie? Oh, that won't happen. Okay. Mind you, the, the theatre around at Ashes, the, it, it probably, yeah, it brings the un- unpredictable. Um, and this series has had it all. This has been one of the great Ashes campaigns. So, yeah, you, you wouldn't expect uh, anything else, but... If you've called that, you're a genius. <laughs> it's one of those that we're going to repeat if I call it for the rest of the time. But if it doesn't happen, well, it just doesn't happen. Who cares? So it's, yeah, the, the ultimate slog, that is. Australia must be in lockdown mode, by the way, Hads, because they put up their assistant coach for the press conference. They did put up a player. So they're, they're in full focus mode. 
you, you know as a journo when the assistant coach comes in, oh, far out. come on, guys, give us something. Um, with all due respect to Michael DiVenuto, who said it's a very good bat- batting wicket out there, absolutely a little swing and seam at times, but generally really good batting conditions. We saw a little bit of spin out of the rough, the left-handers, but you would expect that. So, again, Moen Alley, he's, he's groin, which I'm amazed he's out there because two, two days ago he could walk and Joe Root all of a sudden become really important for him. Well, it's interesting. I'll just give you a little bit of insight in, in why the assistant coach could have gone up. It's because the majority of the team would have been on the bus. Well, once the rain comes and the guys knew it was it was going to be called off, they, they would have said, oh, I'm done. And the assistant coach would have went out and had to take the hit, quickly get it done. He would have went straight from the conference, straight to the, the bus, um, or got a car back with uh, the rest of the coaches up. But I'd imagine the boys that that they would have been on their way back to the Royal Garden Hotel in Kensington uh, when Dibber, Dibber was doing his presser. One last one for you there. Who is the who is the the player who hated doing post day press conference the most? Just wanted to avoid it at all costs. Didn't want to have to front those guys with typewriters or or laptops, I should say. Yeah, that's and easy. Was just yeah, who Mitchell Johnson? Oh, yeah. He did not want to talk. <laughs> at all to the English media uh, that they gave him a hard time um, over the years. And, and it was all also from our point of view, you'd, you'd sort of be just listening around the corner because you know, Mitch has got that white line fever sort of attitude. And, and they sent him over the edge. Uh, mate, he could come back with some uh, pretty <laughs> aggressive responses. So yeah, Mitch Johnson hated talking to him. Fair enough. Um, Hads, well, we've got a third of a day's play, but we've still got a 20-minute episode out of it. So well done. We can talk for Australia. Um, We'll be back tomorrow to wrap up the test later in the week. We've got the full review of the whole series as well. So uh, we'll catch you then, mate. It's going to be a beauty. That was Ash's talk. Catch you tomorrow.